What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever podcasts are sold. So uh, this weekend, Friday, Damian Lillard, a.k.a. Dame Dalla, released his third rap album, Big Dalla, uh, an acronym that stands for Different on Levels the Lord Allows. I'm going to do a big old review of that. I am someone who listens to a bunch of hip-hop. That does not make me an expert, but it does make me someone who has opinions. That's what we're going to do in the first segment. The second two segments, I'm going to play you an interview I did last week with Blazers TV analyst Lamar Hurd. He's going to weigh in on uh, some of the Blazers' young guys and how they can sort of develop Anthony Simons and Zach Collins, specifically how they can develop and be contributors in the roster. That's going to be segments two and three, but segment one, we are going to talk a lot about Big Dalla. Uh, just overview my thoughts, and, and I'll probably get to these as I go through. Uh, it's 10 tracks, 29 minutes, get in, get out, uh, not super long. But for me, this is Dame really showing that he's a rapper. Uh, the album feels like a rap album. It has swearing. It has tropes and themes that go with hip-hop music. Uh, for me, this is kind of Dame's way of saying, I can rap, and to prove that I can rap... Beyond any sort of lingering doubts that may have existed with my previous two albums, I'm going to make an album that sounds like other contemporary hip-hop records. And I'm not going to be as PG as I've been in the past. So uh, you get the parental advisory sticker, you get Dame saying some bad words, you get him rapping about sex and money and um, those type of things. The type of things that other rappers rap about. Feels like, and for the most part sounds like, other popular rap albums. Uh, full disclosure, I wasn't a big fan of Dame's previous two albums. I think the first one is just not good. I think it's just straight up not good. Uh, the letter O, the second one was better. There's a couple tracks on there I like. Wasatch Range, Wasatch Front, maybe is what it's called. That's a Death of Damien Lillard track I can rock with. Um, but for the most part, still not exactly my cup of tea, although that one sounded much sharper. It's it just, it was a just all, all around better project. And I think the trajectory continued on this third album on Big Dalla. This one sounds like a rap album, like I said, but not just in sort of like tropes and themes and, and what he's rapping about, but also it's just the production is sharper. The, the, there are different styles of songs. You know, he raps in a couple different ways. He doesn't just, um, he kind of had one style of rapping when he, when the first record came out and um, he's certainly grown uh, his skill and what he's uh, willing to show you on the record. So here's what I'm going to do. It's 29 minutes. I'm going to play you the entire album. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to go track by track, tell you what I think. Uh, I am not a music critic. Uh, I am someone who listens to a bunch of rap albums. So... This is just my take as a fan of the world. If you disagree with me, that's cool. That's how we do it here. You're allowed to disagree. All right, so first track, Sorry with Lil Wayne. Uh, I like the hook, but get Lil Wayne auto-tuned out of here. I think much like Damian Lillard, I was a fan of mixtape Wheezy 10 or 15 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago. Lil Wayne was was actually the best rapper in the world. Um, He's not that anymore, and this song is a real reminder of how far Lil Wayne has fallen. Um, Dame really outshines him here, uh, but you kind of get what he's doing. He's put Lil Wayne on a couple albums now. Uh, This legitimizes the whole thing to have a giant rapper start off the first, is on the first track, like he's on the first track of the letter O. Uh, It legitimizes Dame's whole project to work with a guy like Wayne. Um, I just wish that when he had heard this auto-tune whining that Dame had said, nah, dude, let's do something else. Second track is Check. Um, all about the Check No Nikes. 
listen, um, this is this is catchy. It's definitely undeniably catchy, but this song isn't for me. Maybe y'all like it. Uh, the next track, Bestie. This is my least favorite song on the album. I think it stinks. Um, it's kind of like a ham-fisted navigation between romance and chauvinism, which is like a a thing that a ton of rap songs do, but it kind of lacks the nuance um, that other hip-hop tracks kind of more deftly navigate these waters. Plus, it uses the term sex friend a lot, which is just incredibly stupid to me, so I'll pass on Bestie. Uh, Baggage Claim with Mozzie. The fourth track. I kind of like this song. Um, it's, it's it's this the album starts is starting to get better. Um, it hasn't it hasn't fully made the turn yet. But the, I I kind of like this song. It's catchy. Um, I like Mozzie's verse. Glad he's on here. More Mozzie, less Wayne. Uh, fifth track. Drake Grant. Um, this is this is going to be a little harsh for me. But Dame is the worst part of this track. Brookfield Deuce, kind of cool. The hook, pretty good. Dame comes on. And his verse kind of ruins it for me. Not a fan of Dre Grant. I, I think he's doing a music video for this song. Um, that makes sense to me. Uh, this is like his cousin or his, his homie from from Oakland. I believe he grew up with him. So it gives you sort of that uh, that real Oakland feel. Good good song, good hook for a video. Um, just less, less Dame rapping about um, the women that he plans to sleep with. I, I just, come on now. Um... The next track, Cupid. That's the sixth one on here. Uh, I think this is the turning point of the album. I think the album starts to get good. Um, like, from here on out. It's pretty rare that the second half of hip-hop albums, or really any like sort of popular albums, are stronger than the first. But for me, uh, Cupid is the turning point, And it, it starts to get better from here. Uh, I don't love this song, but I, I do think it's stronger than, than certainly the first three tracks. Ricky Bobby. The seventh track. This song is good. Ricky Bobby's a straight up a good rap song. Good work, Dame. You made a. You just made a good rap song here with Ricky Bobby. Um, I, I can see myself playing this in the car. Uh, full disclosure: I am like super nerdy with how I um, listen to new albums. So I listen to it in my headphones a couple times. I'll listen to it in my car, and I'll listen to it on my my home speakers. So I probably listen to it at least three times, but I only listen, listen to it three different ways. So I gave Dame, I've, I've probably listened to this album five times since, since it came out on Friday. I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon. So uh, driving around, Ricky Bobby in my uh, 2008 Subaru, this bangs. I like Ricky Bobby. I also like this next track, Moneyball. Um, but I also just like Jeremiah. The, he's, the, he's the guy singing the hook on this track. Um, side note, his, Jeremiah's Late Nights album is a... Very slept on modern R and B classic, in my opinion. So, so uh, you know that's that's where I'm coming from. But uh, I like Danny from Sobranti. His feature on this this track is good. Uh, I just I like the vibes. Moneyball's good. We're like we're in a run where he says you know two three good songs in a row. Um, Beach, the ninth track. Uh, I really like the production here. I'm not I'm not a huge favor of the verses, but this kind of continues what is the theme throughout the album. Um, is Dame talking about his sexual romantic adventures? Uh, and it, it underscores how much mature this album is, or maybe honest, than his previous projects, which were kind of like, uh, and I'll talk about this a little bit more, but they're, they're kind of like setting up his narrative. And here he's just doing what rappers do and bragging about sleeping with ladies and having a bunch of money. Um, I like, I, I do, I legitimately like the production on this track. And to close it out, Track Meet, the final, the number 10, the final song of the album. Track Meet bangs, guys. 
Like I, the drums are super lo-fi. They're kind of spacey. Uh, I like the sound of it. I, I would play this song. I think really the back half of this album is so much better than the first half. So if you, uh, if you start listening to this and you hit play and you hear Lil Wayne whining on that first track and like singing this just terrible auto-tune, you know, just stick it out. It's only 30 minutes. And you'll be rewarded in minutes 20 through 30. Uh, the, the album's much stronger from there. Um, here's sort of my final thoughts about this project. Uh, the Letter O, Damien Lord's second album, was kind of largely about Dame making it out of the struggle. It's, um, it's a story of, uh, you know, coming out of Oakland and making it from Utah, from Ogden, Utah, to the NBA and, and, and proving his worth in, in, the, in the NBA in Oregon. All the O letters there for you. Um, Proving his worth and proving that he belongs, and not only as a basketball player, but mostly sort of as an artist and a rapper and someone who can do other things. Um, Big Dalla, he, 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 there's nothing left to prove. He's not, that's not what this album is about. He's rich. He's happy. Um, he's talking about his love life a bunch. Um, it's him celebrating the good life, celebrating the sort of the journey that has made him into a $400 million man. Uh, and, and listen... You do enough good things to make 400 bucks, you are allowed to have an album crowing about it. Um, I don't know if I'd go back and listen to this whole bunch. Um, I think this is, as far as people who have very demanding other jobs who make a rap album on the side, this is pretty impressive. As far as sort of the uh, larger hip-hop world, Rick Ross also released an album on Friday. I'll listen to that one a lot more than I listen to Dame's. That's my review. Um, check out the album. Like I said, it's 29 minutes. Give it a, give it, um, give it a listen. You could tell me I'm wrong. You could tell me all the tracks that you prefer, uh, that I just don't, don't quite understand. All right. In the second segment, I want to play you a portion of the interview I did last week with, uh, Lamar Hurd, where he's going to talk a little bit about Anthony Simons and then Zach Collins. But, uh, before we get there and you hear that interview I did with Lamar, I want to tell you guys about Lockdown Fantasy Football. So listen up, fantasy football players. Make sure you listen to Vinny Iyer on Locked On Fantasy Football. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else. Then you are the same as everyone else. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. That's Locked On Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. All right, welcome back. Uh, so what you're about to hear is an interview I did last week with uh, Blazers television analyst Lamar Hurd. Uh, I'll just kind of drop you right into it where we're talking about Anthony Simons. I want to talk about two young guys who are going to step into bigger roles. And let's let's first start with the exciting one. Anthony okay. Simons. You knew it was mm-hmm. coming up. Um, you've yes. probably seen more of Ant than anyone in the Blazers media world just watching him in practice. You know, that's where he's done a lot of his mm-hmm. damage. Um yeah, And there is so much hype surrounding this 20-year-old who we've basically seen play the equivalent of a game and a half in the NBA. Yeah. You've seen yeah. it. Is that justified? It, it, it is, but I still temper it a little bit. Because if I say it is, then that might lead to the, the, the casual fan thinking that he's going to be CJ next season. And, you know, that's not what I'm saying. However, he has the ability on some nights to be what we see from CJ uh, next season in terms of his ability to score and to be a, a high-level guard in the league. Uh, he, this, this is how you know when, like, a player is really good is, is when you talk to his teammates and they tell you, Oh no, that dude's really good. Yeah, I, I remember. 
I remember because, talking to a vet, and he was like, "No, no, no! I'm telling you, he's like, he's he's really yeah. good. He's re- like really good. Yeah, yeah. And, and then and then so like so like then you, you might question it and say, well, when he got in the game, he didn't do this, 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 this. Well, there might be other reasons for that. Maybe he hasn't found the comfort zone. Maybe he doesn't know his place in the in the lineup. There's there's other factors that lead to a guy maybe not showcasing in a game how good he really is. But the fact of the matter is he's really, really good. And all the stuff that you've heard uh, Damian and CJ talking about in regards to him, uh, the front office talking about Yeah, listen, about Neil, to, like, ha- Neil is his biggest hype man right now. Neil has not shied away from yeah. being excited about <laughs> Anthony Simons. And obviously a little bit of that is self-serving, but he wouldn't – I don't think he would be as public about it if he wasn't authentically yeah. excited. Yeah, yeah, he he want to put he want to put pressure on him, right? If he didn't think that that Anthony could not only come through, uh, but handle it. So um, he's, I mean, I I I can I can sit here and get into an entire breakdown, but I, I'll spare you some of the time because we'll be talking about him a lot throughout the season. But he's got a handle, he's got the shot, he's quick, he's fast. You know, like even you look at his frame and you think he might get knocked around uh, quite a bit, but offensively it, I, I don't think that'll slow him down the the one place in in his game where i think he's going to go through some some serious bumps and bruises is on the defensive end yeah just because just because uh you know he hasn't had those game minutes to just know the nba lingo the way the guys who get minutes do to be able to start anticipating stuff like being able to anticipate that makes you a better defender in itself and he just hasn't had those game reps like that. So I think that there will be a bit of a struggle there. He will get through it. Now, it's a matter of when. Is yeah. it this season? Is it another season he needs? I don't know. But just just the, the ability, the athleticism, like all of that stuff, he's, he's got all these stuff. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think we've seen him struggle even in the at the little bit that we've seen him play on defense yeah. to the point where you know that's going to be an adjustment. I mean, he's 20 years old. There's just not that many dudes yeah. who can guard on the perimeter at age 20. Like that, it's just exactly. not, it's just, there aren't a lot of them. But I, I think he could go score right now. Like I, I think you could throw yeah. him in like a high-level okay. NBA game and he could go score, he could get 15 easy right now. Easy. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And it, it's funny because a guy like him, um, that's his frame. Like as a defender, you would think like I can get up in some a little bit and bump him off of his spots. Uh, but even that doesn't happen because of how quick he is and, and his ability to go. Like he's not just a north south; he can go east west too. Mm-hmm. Like he he kind of has that hybrid ability of a Dame and CJ, where Dame is more of a north south, CJ is more of an east west. But both guys can kind of do both a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, just one does one more than the other like Anthony it's kind of different like he's equally as good doing both and I I fully agree with you. he'll be able to score I, I do not think offense is going to be a question for him but his minutes overall will be dictated by how does he navigate the defensive end of the floor and if uh Terry Stotts feels like he can have a man at the end of games because as you know you know you start getting to the end of games it's kind of like being in the playoffs like the focus level is different uh, the way teams will target you is different. The scouting report uh, becomes even more relevant. So um, I, I'm I'm really excited, though. I, I truly am very excited to see him get out there. Yeah, oh yeah, and it, it's uh, there's 
there is a certain trust you have to earn to play for Terry down the stretch. I mean, that's it's just yep. it's been true for everybody. So I think part of mm-hmm. that adjustment for Ant will just be earning that trust and whether that's earning that trust behind the scenes that we don't see, or if that's just getting it done, you know, in actual game minutes and and earning it that way. So I think that'll be a big adjustment for him. Yeah, no, it will be. And, and, you know, you can earn a coach's trust behind closed doors, uh, but there's nothing like getting it done in the game. Yeah. So the minute those um, minutes matter film, film don't lie. Yeah. Yeah. So no matter what, he's going to need to get it done in game to um, extend the opportunity that he'll be given. All right, Mike, jumping back in here. You just heard Lamar uh, go deep on his expectations for Anthony Simons. Uh, in the third segment, he'll talk a little bit about Zach Collins and, uh, and, and some expectations for his season with the Blazers. But before we get there, I want to tell you guys about the new Locked On NFL podcast. Last week, it was one of the most listened-to NFL shows. With expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock, Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. All right, welcome back. Still Locked On Blazers, still Mike Richmond. And uh, we're still chatting with Lamar Hurd, Blazers TV analyst. And uh, I'm going to pop back in for Lamar talking a little bit about Zach Collins and what he's going to mean to the Blazers this season. All right, the other young guy that's going to play a bunch this year, Zach Collins. Uh, there are mm-hmm. brief stretches where Zach looks like he's really, really, really good. Um, game mm-hmm. six in Portland to save the season against Denver, he was one yep. of the five best players on the floor. But is yep. is Zach ready to play thirty minutes a night as an NBA starter? You know, I'm not sure I, because and this is why I say this is you know going into last season. One thing that the team wanted was for Zach to be able to play down low right. a lot more. Back to the basket via five. And, you know, we heard a lot of reports about him gaining weight and gaining strength, which he did do. But once the season started and games started to be played, he wasn't really operating down there. I think the, the way that, you know, you would hope that he could based on uh, the team's hopes going into the season. And, and I, I'm not, I want to say that's necessarily enough because. At that time, if you remember at the start of last year, he was getting it done from the perimeter. I mean, he was shooting the ball well. He was shooting well from three. He was shooting well in the mid-range. And he was still scoring in the paint, but it wasn't quite what it appeared that it was going to be going into the season. Right. So, so, so going into this season, I believe that he's ready to play those types of minutes um, because of things like you said, stuff that we saw from him late in last season. And I do just think his skill set will just continue to get better and better. But... I'm just a, you know, let me see it. Let me see some of it first and then, uh, you know, feel comfortable saying, okay, that's a 30-minute-a-night type of guy. I, I know he'll be able to be conditioned for it. Um, I think as long as he can continue to be disciplined defensively, uh, last year early in the season especially, and, and kind of throughout the middle, he got himself in trouble with some foul trouble. With yeah, that, that's fouls, a big question, which, yeah. Yeah, which, which, which ironically, we didn't see him commit a lot of those to rookie year and that was after he was getting in foul trouble by Gonzaga so um so it's it's uh, that that is the question is can he just stay disciplined and if he can oh my gosh I mean this dude is he's not as elite defensively for a young guy to me he's elite defensively for anybody in the league like when people talk about switch off and defend one through five like it's the difference between just being able to stay close to a guy if you switch off to him and then being able to keep a guy in front, and if you want to gap him, gap him, but still challenge a shot 
Like, Zach can do that one through five. And so he's got some tools that, um, especially on the defensive end, that maybe only Hassan can rival. Uh, and then offensively, the way he shoots it, I, I'm really optimistic about it. But I just I, – I, I think we have to see, um, one, what has he added to his game that enables Terry Stock to play him with various lineups because that contributes to playing minutes. And then, two, just can he be even more disciplined than he has shown himself to be in the past? Yeah, I, I think it's the the – the like two big questions with this roster, whether they're going to take a big leap is, is Zach mm-hmm. and Ant. And it's like, we know yeah. what they're capable of, but are they capable mm-hmm. of that 28 minutes a night, 75 times a year for nine months? You know, it's, it is, um, yeah. they are the, lo- the workload that they could potentially be saddled with is just such a major jump from where they've been that uh, it's, yeah. you just know, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, well, I agree with you, and I would throw one more thing into the equation as to what can set the ceiling for this team. I can foresee Damian and CJ having the kind of season in tandem consistently throughout the year as what we saw a few years ago before the Golden State Monster started to start start to run, mm-hmm. where where Clay and Steph transformed the way you had to defend. They they changed the game. They made it where you don't even have to call offense. You just come down and run and play around them. And I remember thinking that as, as I was watching the OKC series this past year, the way Damian and CJ dominated the matchup against Paul George and Westbrook is is not something that I'm sure 95% of NBA people would have anticipated in the middle of the year when you saw how good Westbrook and Paul George, especially Paul George. Right. He was an MVP. He was an MVP candidate. He was an MVP. He was there. He was right there. Top three. He was there. And those two guys just shut everything down, especially Dane with the way that he played in that series. And then CJ, what he did in the Denver series. So to me, that's, that's another equation where it, it, it doesn't only lie on Zach and Anthony's shoulders. And I know you weren't saying that. Sure. Uh, but it doesn't just it doesn't just lie on their shoulders to raise the ceiling. I think Damian and CJ have another level they can tap into that totally changes the game. Yeah, I mean, I think just to your point is that Terry Stotts he's 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 fairly hands on. Um, he he'll call you know. 50 60 percent of the plays easy during a game but i think his dream would be to call less like in his yeah in his perfect in his perfect world all he does is just say go you know like just go yeah yeah. um you're right you can't always do that but i think his his ideal offense would just be to 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 wave his hand like he does and say you know go get him um yeah it's you can't always do it, but um, but I I do think if the what what you're talking about that is sort of the dream scenario for uh for not yeah. just where they where this team can get to, but also like the style that they want to play. That's what they want to do. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. All right. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Blazers this week, and thanks for Lamar Hurd for joining us for a fun talk. Uh, I'll have more of that Lamar interview later this week, but. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on Monday, either the NBA schedule is about to come out. Or if you're a little bit later in the day, the NBA schedule is out, y'all. So Tuesday's show is going to be heavy on the NBA schedule. We might not hear from Lamar, but we will later this week. Uh, he's got more interesting insights for a guy who's close to close around the team, on the team plane, in the hotel, you know, as close as anyone is to, uh, to the franchise. But that's going to do it for this episode. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. They can find it wherever they get podcasts. That's 
Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. We're also streaming on Spotify. Appreciate you guys listening. I'll talk to you soon.